You are listening to the Piedmont Church Podcast. To learn more about Piedmont Church, including our gathering times in Macon, you can visit us online at piedmontchurch.net. One of the most popular questions I think that we can find ourselves asking today and maybe answering is, what is your favorite TV show to binge watch? Right? That is probably, some of you are going, I don't watch TV, and you're in the minority. So uh, that is one of the questions that I find myself getting asked. Oh, so what are you watching right now? What's, what's the big thing at the Barbie house? And uh, there's two things that we are just binge watching right now. Number one is going to be a shocker, Frasier. Some of you are going, what is Frasier? Get some age on you. So, Frasier is a show from the early 90s, mid 90s, maybe late 90s. It, it, by the way, in case you don't know what it is, it won 37 Emmys. Mic drop. What? Some of y'all are going like, Frasier, and it's won 37 Emmys. It's a, it's a show from the 90s. If you're a Seinfeld fan, you might not be a Frasier fan. They're just kind of, it's a spinoff from Cheers. It had like 11 seasons, and it's a win. Uh, the second show my family watches, I should say it's my wife and I, the five-year-old doesn't watch either one of these, or the two-year-old. The second one is a show called Blue Bloods. Now, this show has been on forever, and I guess we just love giving CBS our money, because those are both CBS shows, and so Blue Bloods is this TV show really about a, a, a cop family. The grandfather was a police commissioner, the father is now a police commissioner, uh, one of the sons is a detective, another son was a sergeant, another son passed away in the line of duty, serving as a police officer. Uh, a daughter works uh, as, I think she's a DA or whatever, she's in the legal system, she's a lawyer. And this whole show is really just built around this family. And one of the things that my, my wife and I love about this show is that in, in many ways, the show revolves around faith and family. Those two things come up in every single episode. Now, I'm not sitting here telling you I agree with everything in the episode. You should endorse it and sign it on your Bible somewhere. It's a TV show, but we watch it. And one of the things that we love about it is that faith and family aspect continues to come up. Matter of fact, every single episode, they reiterate one of the core values that they have as a family is every Sunday night, they have family dinner. Now, raise your hand if you have a tradition in your household that every single week you're going to do one thing. Raise your hand. Okay, okay, I see you. You would be in the minority. Like when I watch the TV show, I go, man, that sounds wonderful to every Sunday night eat dinner as a family. But then I start going through the calendar and this thing and that thing, and I go, how is that possible? Like the only tradition that I would say that we have every single week is we go to church. Like that is our kind of family tradition. We do eat dinner uh, at the table as a family, but I wouldn't be able to tell you that every single Sunday night we're there. But this family on TV, because it's TV, because it's not real, they can do it, right? They have, they, everything else in their life goes to the wayside because no matter what's going on, they will have family dinner together every Sunday night. And it's something that Amy and I just really I don't know, love, it kind of makes us feel warm inside when we see that. No matter what's going on in the world, in their craziness, they always slow down and they eat family dinner together. And you'll hear the dad oftentimes say, the reason we do this is we want to remind each other, we want to remember how important family is. We want to take intentional steps in our lives to slow down and remember that we are family and that we love 
each other. And I think there's something special about the table, the, the table gathering. In, in church history, it's called table fellowship. It's actually one of the ways that we kind of say membership here. Is like, we, do you have a seat at the table is a question that we ask people. You know, are, are you coming and do you have a seat at this table? Are you prepared at Piedmont? Are you here? Well, you go back a couple of thousand years ago, and Jesus kind of sets this table up for us. He installs what we call the ordinance of communion or Lord's Supper. And that's just a kind of a fancy word or phrase to say that what he does is he gives us something to remember him by. He says, there's something I want you to do as a body of believers to remember what I've done and to remember the bond that we have. If you have your Bibles, we're going to begin in Matthew chapter 26, Matthew chapter 26, and I believe we're starting actually in verse 26. Now, I want to set this up for you as you're turning your Bibles there. Jesus is going to install this ordinance of the Lord's Supper, and what, it, what's, what we're about to read is going to happen just a couple of hours before his arrest, and a couple of days before his eventual crucifixion. And he's been with his disciples, he's been with his guys, and it's a busy time in the city because it's the week of Passover and the first day of unleavened bread, and so many people have rushed to the city. And so just before this moment, they, they asked Jesus, hey, we need to find a place to eat this, this meal together and break bread and, and kind of hang out. Where should we do this? And Jesus says, hey, go to this place and ask this specific guy, and he has an upper room for us. And they're going, yeah, right, he does. And sure enough, Jesus had aligned it up, and they have a, a place to go, and they break bread. And all 13 men gather in this room, and they begin to break bread. And here's what the Scripture says, Matthew chapter 26, beginning in verse 26. Now, as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks to it, or excuse me, when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. So here Jesus, <clears throat> sitting across the table with these men, kind of gives them a picture of what is to come. And I can only imagine the thoughts that are going through their mind because they certainly have no idea that just in a matter of hours that He is going to be arrested. That even though Jesus tells them this, that one of them is going to betray Him. And that eventually he will be crucified and then three days later he'll be resurrected and this ordinance that we now have comes to fruition. And I can see them sitting at this table com completely confused, kind of going, okay, is this you know, old covenant? You know, they're, they're trying to go through all of their prophecies, all of their Old Testament knowledge of what was going on in the Scriptures and their possibly drawing blanks. 
And yet, in just a couple of days, they will know exactly what this picture means. And it will be a picture that for them, they will go, I know exactly where I was when this happened. I remember this moment. You know, those things in life where somebody asks you a question in 15 years, the, the question of where were you when? There are certain things that happen in our life. And I don't know that we completely understand that question until we've gone through that thing. I can remember my mom telling me she remembers where she was when JFK was shot. And I can remember thinking, what is, okay, cool, right? Like, what does that mean? And then as I got older and I lived through 9-11 and I lived through other moments in history, the thought of where were you when meant so much more. Because I remember exactly where I was when certain things in my life happened. And I can look at these disciples and I imagine as soon as they saw Jesus, just a few days later, with the scars on his hands and the, the torn flesh in places, I can remember him. I, I, I can imagine them going, Oh, I remember when you said this was going to happen. So he sets up this ordinance, and Paul declares this for us in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning in verse 23. He says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when He was betrayed took bread. And when He had given thanks, He broke it and said, This is My body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of Me. And in the same way also He took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in My blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of Me. Of me, For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. Now this is an important moment in Scripture. Because what Paul is doing in this letter to the church in Corinth is he is showing them how to worship. They've had disputes and they've had arguments on, on how, how are we to worship. And so right before this moment, he's, he's kind of told them, hey, here's... In some ways, i got to tell you how to dress because some of you don't even know how to dress right. Some of you don't know how to act properly in public. So I'm going I'm to rebuke you on some of these things. But hey, don't forget that no matter what happens, when you come together as the body of believers, there is one purpose. It is to remember Jesus. It is to remember what He did for us on the cross. And Paul confirms this spiritual moment, this ordinance, this thing that we now, as the body of Christ, will continue to do until He returns. This moment that no matter where you are as a believer, no matter what's happening in your life, I hope that when you take communion, you can look back and you can go, I remember when. I remember that moment that I understood who Jesus is and was. I, I remember who I was and who I now became in Christ. And there's really three things that I think we all need to remember that we need to hearken back to as we take communion. And the first one is that it is, a, it is an action of worship in remembrance. 
And so what that means is that the act of taking communion, the act of breaking the bread and symbolic representation of Jesus' body broken forth and eating it and drinking the wine or the juice, an act of representation of His blood being poured out and the new covenant for us is only something that a believer can do. Because if you don't profess faith in Christ, how could you remember what He did for you? And I, I think there's a certain tinge in, inside of us that makes us go, oh, that seems elitist. And it's not. What it is, is there are those who have said, I am in the family of God, and those who are not. And the ones who are not can't be at the table because they said that they're not. And so what we need to remember is that this action is for the church. This, this moment of worship is what God has called His sons and His daughters to do in remembrance of Him. The second thing, and Paul talks about this earlier in his letter to the church of Corinth, is we need to remember that there is nothing magical about the bread and the juice itself. It is not a purification of sins. It, it is not something that is going to all of a sudden make you clean. But what it does do is it should inspire you to ensure that you've repented before you sat at the table with the Lord. See, we have a tendency to think that we can just come to the Lord's table and He will clean us up. And in grace and in salvation, that is true. But when it comes to communion, when it comes to meeting with the Lord, which is what the Lord's Supper is, it is an act of worship where we come before the feet of God and we say, hey, we are coming to worship you. What He is calling you to do is to search your heart. Search what's going on inside of you. And before you've sat at the table, simply repent. I'm not ask, he's not asking, I should say, for you to clean yourself up because His blood has already done that for you. What He is calling you to do is recognize your shortcomings and simply submit them to Him. I had a pastor growing up that would say, if there's any disputes in the church right now, before you come to this table, go find that brother or sister and clean it up. Now, as you can imagine, at that moment, we didn't have a lot of people stand up and go to each other and say, oh, hey, you know, I've been mad at you. But the reality is, I, I do believe what he was saying is, is a true statement. And Paul, in essence, actually says this. And you can go back later and read in 1 Corinthians 10 and 11. Paul's kind of saying, hey, before you come before the Lord, ensure that all is well with your soul on earth. We know as Christ followers that our soul is well eternally in heaven. But what he's telling us to do when we come to the table, is to make sure that me and Austin are good. Make sure that me and Hunter are good. Make sure me and my, my wife are good because how can I fully put myself in, in worship of God if I'm still holding on to grudges, if I'm still, still holding on to discontent in the world, if I'm still holding on to anger and pain and struggle and strife? What he says is release it all and come to the table ready. And the last and final thing that we should see in communion, that we should remember 
when we break this bread and we drink this juice, is God is calling us to make the cross big. He's calling us to make the cross big. So as it's still Christmas season, we, we look back to the Christmas story. And Joseph and Mary travel their long distance. They, they get to Bethlehem. And there's no room for them in the inn. And I heard a, comment, a, a, a theologian who wrote a commentary recently say, he doesn't believe that there wasn't a desire for the innkeeper to take Joseph and Mary in. It was just simply that there was no more room. That there, there was simply no more logical places for them to stay. It wasn't that the innkeeper had uh, anything against Joseph and Mary, that he, he didn't like these people. It was that there was no more room in the inn, logistically. And the reality is, this is what happens to sometimes, uh, this is what happens to people sometimes in life. It isn't so much so that they completely reject Jesus offhand. Now that is in action what they are doing, but what happens so often is we fill our hearts with the things of this world, with people, with feelings, and we make those things so large that there is no more room for Jesus. And so when we come to the table, what he is calling us to do is to remember what he paid for us on the cross and make it big. Make it the center point of your life. He is leading us to the cross. He wants us to center our hearts on the cross and say, there is nothing more important than Jesus. He is all I need. And if you were to truly break down and think about that statement, that statement that I think you would read over and over again in Scripture, what you would find is that is a pretty profound thing to say. Because I love my wife, and I love my children. I love my family. I, I love you guys. But in reality, what God is calling me to do is to say that there is nothing, not my wife, not my children, not my leadership at this church, more important than my relationship and recognition of the person and the work of Jesus. That has huge ramifications in our life. Now, certainly as a man of God, it means that I will love my wife and I will cherish her and I will lift up my family and I will lead them well. But that comes second to my relationship with God. And so as you come to the table and the band gets ready to lead us, what I want you and I to really focus on and think about is to make the cross big. You know, there's a lot of funny memes and funny sayings out there about 2021. And I think uh, one was, if y'all thought 2020 was bad, 
wait till she turns 21 and starts drinking, right? And, you know, there's a lot of mixed emotions about 21, all right, 2021, you get what I'm saying? There's a lot of mixed feelings about what's to come, is the virus going to do this, or is, are we going to go back to normal, what, what's, what's going to happen? And I would just urge you to stop worrying about it. Certainly be present in the moments, be cautious, be wise, but make the cross big. Every decision that you make in your life, every step that you take, run it through the lens of sitting at the table with our Lord. Ask the question, the, you know, the, the bracelet question, what would Jesus do? When you have stress and anxiety about your job, food on the table, about what decision to make with that friendship, about how to handle this situation, that situation, that thing, whatever it is, I would urge you to go back and remember that all answers are found at the foot of the cross and remember Jesus. Make the cross big and everything else will fall in line. That's the answer for us. So I don't know where you are this morning, but I pray that in the next few moments, we're going to sing a song. And we've got communion set up here. There's, here, I'll I'll just come down. Hopefully I don't mess up the sound system, Jay. You have this communion cup right here. And you have two tear-offs. The first one is a wafer and bread. And I'll be honest with you, it tastes exactly like styrofoam. It's terrible. But you're not eating this for flavor. You're eating this to remember. And what I like to do is I personally, I like to break it. So that I can remember that Jesus' body was broken for me. And then I take it and I eat it. All crunchiness of it. And then you have a second tear-off tab. Do this without spilling, please, Lord. Thank you. And inside of this is just grape juice. And it's there to represent Jesus' blood poured out for you and for me. It's the blood of the covenant. That we are no longer under a works-based faith. That God has freely given us grace. And it is there for you and I to open up our arms and receive the grace of God. To say no matter our background, no matter what struggles we have, no matter what anxieties, depressions, strongholds that Satan or the world have on us, He has broken every chain in His name. And through the power of the Spirit of the living God, we are under grace and we are no longer under the works of the law. We have the new covenant. And so during this next song, it's about a four, four and a half minute song or so, so I don't want you to feel like you've got to rush up here. Maybe some of you want to take a knee at your seat and pray. Maybe some of you want to come get your cup first and take it back to your seat and chill. I, I, we're all kind of adults in this room, so I didn't space them out and be super COVID friendly. So if you want to just send one person up to grab your row, that'd be great too. Try to play it by ear and be safe. What I want us to do in this next moment is do exactly what God instructed us to do. Ensure that our heart is clean. Repent. Remember 
where you are. Grab the bread, the juice, the elements, as we call them, and remember that Jesus has paid it all for you. Son and daughter, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ.